Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Deborah Cobray. Well, welcome to Sunday night at The Rock Church and World Outreach Center in San Bernardino. And my name is Deborah Cobray. And my husband and I founded this church, gosh, 32 years ago. And so tonight is my assignment to share with you something from the Word of God. So I'm excited. Are you ready? Let's get ready. So sit down, get comfortable, and get your Bibles because you're going to need them. And tonight we're going to look at an amazing story. Now before we do, let me give you the title of this message. It's called, How to Take Out the Enemy. Obviously, we're living in some very surreal times. I'm 70 years old, and as long as I've been alive, I've never seen anything like this. We just came out of Easter, and we have never not been able to go to church on Easter. And so this time is like no other time in my lifetime. So probably I would say it might be like that in yours. And so I want to read you a scripture because I want to bring a story to you tonight from the Old Testament. But before I do, I'm going to have to pre-qualify it. So don't turn off the channel. Just bear with me, and we're going to go on quite an adventure tonight. But before I do, let me read you this scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. And let me, I have to put my glasses on, and it says... All scripture is given, well, now it's on the screen so I can read it to you. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, which is teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And then it gives a reason that the child of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. And that's exactly what God wants us to do, is he wants us to be equipped. He has given us everything that we need for every generation until he returns, in every time zone, in every nation, no matter where you were born or what tribe you came from, you and I are qualified by God to live a victorious life. And he teaches us in the word of God. Now, it's clear that the just shall live by faith. God never told me to live by fear, to live by worry, to live by frustration. He told me that I am his child, and when I got born again, everything became new in my life. I became a new creation in Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, the kingdom of God is coming to you. And he said to his disciples, fear not, little flock. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So before we get into this story, and it's a bit of a gruesome story, actually. It's a story of Yael and Deborah in the Old Testament. Let me explain just a few things. So there is nothing in this book, in the Bible, 66 books written over a span of 2,000 years by 40 authors in three different continents, in three separate languages, and they all had the same, same story. They had a piece of it, but it all is continuous. And there's a saying that the Old Testament is revealed in the New Testament, and the New Testament is concealed in the Old Testament. So whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for, and then the list goes on, reproof, correction, discipline, training, that I can grow up and be like Jesus. And that's God's plan for you and I. So I want to go into this story tonight, and it can seem a little bit gruesome, but it's a very important story. And what good is the word of God if I read it and it doesn't apply to my everyday life? 
So because I'm living and you're living in this time frame right now of COVID-19 and we're online and we're, and we're obviously doing church online and not here together, we're going to have a Bible study about a very different person. Her name was Yael. She was a woman. And Deborah, prophetess, and we're going to see how can that apply to me today. Because the title of this message is How to Take Out the Enemy. Okay, so here we go. I want to explain something to you about the kingdom of God. It's invisible. It created everything that we see in the natural world. Our job as believers now, as his church on the earth, is to operate and function in the kingdom of heaven, in the kingdom of God. They're interchangeable. They have different rules. It works and operates completely differently. And so what is invisible is visible with faith because I pull it in. Faith is the economics of the kingdom of heaven. How do I move what is invisible from heaven into my natural world, the kingdom of God? How do I get it? It's by faith. The just shall live by faith. It's not by fear, frustration, worry. It's by faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So this story is designed by God as an example to me in the Old Testament of what I can do today in the 20th century, in the 21st century, and apply God's word to this life. So how do I take out the enemy? Because guess what? We're living in a time where COVID-19 is an invisible enemy. We're in a war right now. We're in a war for our health, our economics, our families. Everything that we love and believe in is under attack. Therefore, I can either lay down and die and be afraid, or I can rise up and be what God wants me to be and be a part of the church in this generation that's going to take out the enemy and take out the terrorists because that's what COVID-19 is. So I want to start with this. When you spit at me, now listen to what I'm going to say. If you spit at me, you're not going to make me mad. You're going to make me wet. Let me say it again. If you spit at me and spit on me, you're not going to make me mad. You're only going to make me wet. Whether I get mad or don't get mad is totally up to me. What I mean by that is that there's two things I can do. I can be a reactionary person, and I react to the response or to the condition or to the army or the danger or the circumstances that are coming at me, or I can be a child of God in the kingdom of God, and I can work in a creative way to change the atmosphere. Do you know that, and I'm just going to have this up on the overhead just for a second, there's two ways we can live. We can be reacting, which means I'm responding to what's happening to me, or I can be creating, which means I'm changing the atmosphere and the circumstances that are in the natural world and they're coming at me. God wants me to be creating and changing, not reacting. And so tonight, we're going to look at an enemy and what Yael did and what she did, I can learn because whether I'm reacting which is in the old ways, the flesh, or whether I'm creating, which is the kingdom of God. I mean, think about Jesus for just a second. For instance, he went to the synagogue one, one, one Saturday on Sabbath, and there was a man with a withered hand. And it was obvious that he was deformed, that his arm and his hand were deformed. Everybody saw the withered hand, and they reacted to the man as someone who had a crippling, something crippled him. But Jesus saw the withered hand, 
And he didn't react, he created. He said, stretch out your hand, and he created a whole new hand on this man. When Jesus was in the boat, and, and we've heard these messages at the rock, we've been preaching all this. When, when the storms were rising and the, and the disciples say, aren't you afraid? We're going to drown. He was sleeping. He got up and he calmed the storm. He wasn't reacting like the disciples. He was creating a different atmosphere. Now, my Bible says that as he is in this world, so are we. My Bible says the kingdom of heaven has come unto you. Jesus said all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. He is telling me as a daughter of God on this planet in the 21st century that I have the ability to react or I have the ability to create. It's all on how I see it. Because if you look at this, if, if Cameron, if you can just go back, if you can get that back. If you can see this, reacting is R-E-A-C-T-I-N-G. The C is in the center. Creating, C-R-E-A-T-I-N-G, just a simple little thing to remember. The C is at the beginning. So you can react to what's happening, and you're on the defensive because the C there is in the center. Not in the center of my life, but in the center. But I can create and change the atmosphere when the C is at the very beginning of how I'm going to respond. And the C, of course, is Christ. So I can either react and I can respond or I can create and I can change. And I want to look tonight at a story, a true story, of a woman who was absolutely a nobody who took out a terrorist and actually delivered Israel from a horrible, horrible general. And she did it with just four little things that I want to look at tonight. Because like I said, we are in a war. It's an invisible war. We can't see COVID-19, but it has affected everything around us and everybody around us. We're wearing masks. You go to the store, you feel like a leopard, and you're going to infect somebody else. This is crazy. God doesn't want us to live this way. He wants us to live in faith. He wants us to trust him, and he wants us to change our world. So how do we do that? Glad you asked. The first thing I'm going to do is show you who Yael was. And in Judges chapter 5, 24, on the scripture, on your screen, let me tell you about Yael. Yael. If I can have Judges 5, 24 up, Cameron, there we go. Yael is introduced, and it says, Deborah, after the battle is won, she's singing a song, and she's written a poem and a song with Barak, and they're singing this song, and she says, Most blessed among women is Yael the wife of Heber the Canite, blessed is she among women in tents. So right there, the word is saying that what she did was wonderful. What she did was blessed. And she is more blessed than anybody else among all the women that ever lived in tents. I just wanted you to see that because some people are going to hear this story and they're going to say, what? Are you out of your mind? What are you saying about this woman? But the word of God, remember I said at the beginning, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Everything's God-breathed here. There's a reason she's in this book, and there's something in her life that can teach me in the 21st century how to take out this enemy that wants to take out me. So let's go to Judges chapter 4, and I'm going to give you a little bit of history, and then we'll get into the things that Yael did. Israel's on a long drift from God. They have not obeyed the commandments. They're in the promised land. 
And every 40 years or so, God will raise up what we call judges and what the Bible calls judges in the book of Judges. Judges weren't kings yet. There was no king in Israel. God was the sovereign ruler of Israel under the law that he'd given Moses. Joshua is gone. Moses is gone. The children of Israel have settled into the, to, to the promised land. And what's happened is they didn't take out all of the enemies. And so these enemies would rise up and they would harass and they would hurt Israel because Israel kept going over and seeking other gods, the gods of the Canaanites. So the judges God raised up to deliver Israel, to bring the law back into their lives, to judge them correctly, and to bring them back to God. So we see in Judges chapter 4, that there's a judge that happens to be a woman. Her name is Deborah. And I don't know if they have a picture of Deborah or not, but there she is. She was married to Lapidus. She was chosen by God. And for all those that say women should not be in ministry or speaking in ministry, she kind of puts all that away because she was obviously a woman and God chose her. So Deborah is judging Israel. There's a king, King Jabin. And he is horrific. He's a Canaanite. And for 20 years, he has a general named Sisera. And you'll read about this in Judges chapter 4. Sisera is a terrorist. He's evil. He's wicked. He has absolutely, completely terrorized and bullied Israel and the tribes that are living in that area so that they don't even want to go on the streets. They don't go out of their homes they don't have any weapons. For 20 years, they have been enslaved and terrorized by this bully named Sisera, who was the general of King Jabin. So Deborah, she rises up, and in chapter 4, God speaks to her, and he says, go and tell Barak to rise up, gather 10,000 troops, and meet there on Mount Tabor, which is in the valley. So if I can have a picture of Mount Tabor, just so you can kind of get, there's that mountain. It's just a big hill. That's where the battle is going to take place. So Israel's been absolutely defeated by King Jabin and his general Sesera. Sesera has 900 chariots of iron. Now Israel, according to Deborah's song in Judges chapter 5, they don't even have shields or spears. They probably have swords, but they don't have anything to protect themselves with. So this army of 10,000 men aren't completely and fully equipped. And they're coming up against this general who's got far more troops than they have and 900 chariots of iron. Now, I don't know if you ever thought about this, but if you were on foot and you weren't a trained soldier and you'd already been so intimidated by life and by the political regime that was absolutely harassing you and destroying you and killing you, you probably, if you went to war with them and they had 900 chariots of iron and fierce horses, would be completely overrun. Th those odds are not good odds. In other words, King Jabin and Sesera are far more equipped to slaughter Israel than anyone else. And so Deborah, she calls Barak, who's the general of Israel's armies. God tells her to call him. And he's in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11 as a man of faith. And he was a man of faith. And in Judges 4, 9, she says to Barak that God wants to meet them on Mount Tabor, that he will call out Sesera and all of his chariots, and God will destroy this army. And this is what Barak says to her. So she said, I will surely go with you because Barak says in verse 8, listen, I'll do this. I'll go, but you got to go with me. 
In other words, I'm listening to you, Deborah. I know you're, I know you're a judge. I'll do this. He knows exactly what the natural odds are. He's going to be defeated. But he says, I'll go, but you've got to go with me. And so she responds in verse 9, and she says, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey you are taking. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. And then Deborah arose and went with Barak to, to Kadesh. So Deborah says, listen, okay, I'm going with you, Barak. God says he's going to rout the enemy. God says he's going to defeat them. You and I are going, but you're not going to get glory in this because there's going to be a woman who's going to take out this general terrorist. So off they go. Now, as they go to Mount Tabor, God sends incredible floods. He sends storms and there's a huge river there that overfloods. And so what happens is it says in Deborah's song in chapter 5 of the book of Judges that even the stars, and in the Bible sometimes stars are angelic hosts, even the stars fought for Israel that day and he completely destroyed General Caesar's army. All the, all the army was killed. There wasn't a man left standing. There was such a flood that the, that the 900 chariots completely bogged down. Israel routed, came together, and they killed every single member of King Jabin's army. And so the army is completely destroyed. What happens next is General Caesar, who's the terrorist, runs for his life because he looks back and he sees that he's completely lost his battle. His army's gone, and now he's running for his life. And so enter Yael. Yael was living in a tent. And I want to go with you to verse in Judges. If you go with me to verse, I don't know if this is on the overhead or not, but let me tell you this. In verse 9, Deborah says, I'll surely go with you down through the chapter then, the army is destroyed. In verse 17, it says, However, Sesera had fled away on foot to the tent of Yael, the wife of Heber the Canaanite. So here comes Yael. She's introduced into the story. She was married to Heber the Canaanite. He was a descendant of Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, and he was friends with King Jabin. He was on the enemy's side. And he's living in this path where Sesera is running. Now, this man is married to a woman named Yael. She is in the tent. He is for King Jabin, but Yael is for God. And she absolutely wants to see Israel win this battle. So in verse 17, it says, Sesera fled away on foot to the tent of Yael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. For there was peace between Jabin, king of Hazor, the, the king, and the house of Heber, the Canaanite, Yael's husband. So they were in covenant with each other. And Yael went out to meet Sesera, and she said to him, Turn aside, my lord, turn aside to me, do not fear. And when he had turned aside with her into the tent, she covered him with a blanket. Then he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I'm thirsty. Now he'd been running, he'd been in battle, he's completely depleted of any fluids probably in his body, he's exhausted. So she opens a jug of milk and she gives him a drink and she covers him. And she says, and he says to her, he has a conversation with her because he thinks she is on his side. Her husband is, 
but she's not. Now remember, the title of this message is How to Take Out Your Enemy. He's a terrorist. He's killed and destroyed Israel, just like this COVID-19. So we're going to see how this all works together, but listen to the story. He tells her, stand at the tent, stand at the door of the tent, and if any man comes and inquires of you and says, is there any man here, you're to say no. So now he's telling her what to do. I want you to lie for me. And then, verse 21, Yael, Heber's wife, took a tent peg and a hammer in her hand, and she went softly to Sestera, the general, and she drove the peg into his temple, and it went down into the ground, for he was fast asleep and weary, so he died. Now, we're going to look at this. This is a bizarre story. This is not a story of domestic violence. This is not a lesson on how to take out your husbands, how to take out your wives. There are spiritual principles here. So this woman, she has a husband that's not serving God. She's got an enemy in her tent. She gathers him. She brings him in. He rests. He falls asleep because he's so exhausted. And she takes a hammer and she takes a pent peg. Now, I asked our staff if they could find me a tent peg. This is a peg. Obviously, this is a little too big. It's not going to go through a skull. But I'll show you in just a minute. But there were some things that she did as she destroyed this terrorist. Now, the, some of the things about this story may, like I said, seem gruesome to you. Like, have you lost your mind? Why are you teaching us? It's all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for correction, instruction in righteousness, rebuke. It's to train us so that we can understand the principles that are behind these victories and these events and apply them in our lives today. So let's just look at this. Israel has just won a war. God has routed the enemy. He has destroyed the army. Barak is with Deborah. She says, Barak, I'm going with you, but you're going to get no glory in this because you're not going to take out Sesra. A woman's going to do it. Now look, 3,000 years ago, women were nothing. They lived and they breathed and they did what the men in their lives and their political communities wanted them to do. It's nothing like we are today where we have rights and we have all of these privileges as women in the 21st century. So here's Yael. She comes in. She's married to a man that's not serving God. And she sees Sesera and she greets him and she says, come on in. Now there's four things that I see this woman, this woman did, Yael, that I can do in my life when I'm looking at the trouble that's coming at me. When I'm looking at COVID-19 and all the fear that's all around me and all the hopelessness of the news that says, oh, this thing's not going to go away. You know, it could be 18 months before this that we get a vaccination for this. It's tanking our economy. It's keeping us all shut in. It's keeping our churches from being open. And I'm thinking, is this really how God wants me to live? Or does God want me, instead of responding and reacting, like I said at the beginning, to the circumstances coming at me, does God want me to create a completely different circumstance in my life and bring his kingdom, his miraculous kingdom, into my world to change this atmosphere? Well, I think there's four things that she did that I can apply in my life tonight, right tonight on Sunday night, 2020. April, whatever the date is, I can do that now. The first thing that I see, y'all, that she did is that 
She started where she was. If you're going to take out an enemy in your life, if you're going to take out a terrorist, if you're going to actually be used by God to make a difference in your family and in your own life, then you and I, we got to start where we are. She was in the tent, and she was the wife of a man that didn't believe God. He was not in agreement with saving Israel. He was in agreement with, K- with Jabin, the king that had destroyed Israel. But that's where she was at. She was married to him. Her name was Yael. Now, the word Yael, her name means mountain goat. She didn't even have a great name. She, she was a mountain goat. I mean, when you look at some names in the Bible, my gosh, Esther means beautiful, and Ruth is, is friend of God, and Sarah is princess. I mean, how'd you like to be named after a mountain goat? That's not going very good. She wasn't anybody special is what I'm trying to say. But God doesn't call me to be special. He knows exactly who I am, and he knows exactly where I'm at. If he's going to use me, I have to understand that it's not about what I can do. It's about what he does through me. So in this whole mess that we're in right now, God says you want to be delivered and you want to see your family change and you want to absolutely believe me through this economic mess that you might be in right now? He says you're going to have to understand. You're going to have to just be you. Start where you're at, not where you want to be, not where you wish you were, but where you are right now because yesterday's experience in your life is today's teacher. So, 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 28 says, and I quote, For you see your calling, brethren, not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world, the base things, those things that aren't educated, those things that aren't important, you're not beautiful, you don't have the right name, you didn't come from the right tribe, you don't have the right economic systems in your life. The base things of this world and the things which are despised. You can be homeless, you can be so despised, you can be, right now maybe some of you are here and you're not even here legally but you're listening to this and there's so much intimidation on your life because of what is in your past or where you're from or what's happened to you or what kind of sins you've committed or whatever it is, the base things of this world, God has chosen and those things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. If you're a nothing in this world, then you are a candidate like Yael to be used by God. So number one, you gotta start where you are. What God doesn't know, he knows. He loves us. It's not how great we are. It's how great he is in us. Number two, I see what she did. She was where she belonged. So number two would be be where you belong. She was in the tent. Listen, Deborah is a judge. Two women God used to deliver Israel that day. Deborah the judge and the leader And Yael, a woman in a tent that nobody knew, who was married to a man that didn't believe God. So here's 
Here's Yael. She's in the tent. Who wants to be in the tent? I mean, I would have wanted to be where the action was. I, I would have wanted to be on the front row. But God says, I haven't called you to the front row. I haven't called you to be a Deborah. I've called you to be Yael, and I need you to be where you're supposed to be because where you're supposed to be is where I'm going to use you to deliver and take out the enemy. So what does that mean in the 21st century? It means if I'm to be where I belong, present, focused, I'm going to have to be where sometimes I don't want to be. Stay and put when you want to run, when you want to change, when you want everything to be different. But staying put and standing still is harder than going out and trying to make something happen on your own. But God showed me that because she was in the tent, she was in the right place for Sesera to come to her tent thinking he could trust her, and God used her to take out the enemy. What does that mean? Well, it means you stay where you're at right now. We're on shutdown time. What does that mean? It means we social distance. I can't go to church, but you can turn on church online, and you can still be a part of everything that God wants you to be a part of just by being where you're supposed to be. Instead of being frustrated and complaining like I have been, when is this going to end? When are we going to get back? To settle down, stay where I'm supposed to stay, and hear God because God gives me directions when I'm where I'm supposed to be. Just like Yael. She was in the tent. God's called us to be where we're supposed to be. What does that mean? It means discipline myself where I don't want to be. It means be ready to be disappointed, but to find through the disappointment and the frustration God's plan and God's uses. It means I can hone my relationships. Oh my gosh, you're stuck in the house with kids and husbands and family and maybe tensions are starting to rise. What an awesome opportunity. Remember I said, if you spit at me, you don't make me mad, you make me wet because I can react, which would be mad because the mad's already in me, or I can create which means I could forgive and wipe out the spit and just turn the other cheek and move on and not get mad at you. See, it's all up to me. It's not up to what comes at me. It's up to how I react. So here's Yael. She's staying put. She's disciplined. She's where she's supposed to be. And in the 20th, 21st century, I keep saying the 20th century because I was born in 1950. I'm in the 21st century. Am I in the 21st century or I'm in the 20th century? I'm in the 21st century, 70 years old. God wants me to learn how to rest where I'm at, whether I like it or not. When I retired with Jim, I didn't want to retire. It was hard to stop everything and to just suddenly come into this new life of, of doing what? And yet it's where God put me. It's not what you do for him. It's who you are for him. And if he puts you someplace, if he puts you in a marriage, he's put you in a church, he's put you in relationships, he's put you in a job that you don't know if it's there or not, or maybe you're not crazy about it. Right now, that's where you're at. And he says, I can work with you like Yael, right where you are. He needed a woman in a tent. He didn't need a woman on a chariot with Barak like Deborah. He needed Jael to be in the tent where she belongs. So number one, I got to start where I am. God didn't call me to be great. He called me to believe him. Number two, I got to be where I belong. That takes a lot of discipline sometimes to be where you don't want to be. 
Number three, what did she do? You got to greet what's coming at you, gutsy girl, gutsy man. When Sesera came to her, he's running up and he sees her and she says, Sesera, come on in. Come on, you're safe here. Just come on in. I'll take care of you. He has no idea. He's running for his life. A terrorist has turned scared. And here comes this little tent woman, and she greets him, and she comes down the driveway, and she says, Sesra, is that you? Come on in. Come on in. I have a place where you can be safe and you can rest. So what does that tell me? That tells me when trouble comes at me, when a terrorist comes at me, when something I don't want and I wouldn't choose in my life is coming at me, I can greet it not in fear and not in intimidation and not in frustration, but I can greet it on purpose in faith and without fear. On purpose, in faith and without fear. When you hear the bad news and you listen to the news and you turn it off, do you turn it off like I do? It's like, oh, I don't want to hear that anymore, which is a good thing. You don't need that color in your spirit. You need faith in you, the word of God in you, so that you build God on the inside of you. And he gets so big that everything else is small in comparison to him. So when that COVID-19 or a friend of yours gets sick or this happens or this person dies or this job quits or suddenly there's no money and you don't have a paycheck, you have to go to the store and there's no toilet paper. Really? God, what's up with toilet paper? Whatever's coming at you, God doesn't want you to react to it. He wants you to change the circumstances in faith. Greet what's coming at you, just like she did. What does that mean? It means you're on purpose. You're where you're supposed to be. You're who you are. You're where you're supposed to be. You're seeing the enemy come. You invite him in, in faith and without fear. You know, in the kingdom of God, the economic system of God's kingdom, that which moves goods and services, that's what economy is, economics is, is faith. Faith reaches up into the invisible world. You can't see it in the natural. You can't hear it. You can't touch it. You can't taste it. You can't feel it in the natural. But in your heart, God says it's yours, and you believe, and you reach up in faith for that promise of God, what God says, and you believe, and you bring that promise into the corporeal, natural world. That's how this works. I got to start where I am. I got to be where I belong, and I got to greet what's coming at me on purpose, in faith, and not in fear, because fear is the opposite force. Fear is Satan's kingdom. Fear says, I don't know if I can do this. Fear worries and doesn't have help or hope. Fear says, God, where's God in this? Where's God? Faith says, I, I see him. He's everywhere. He's in me. He's the giant in me, not the giant on the outside. Faith says, God's word is true. Fact is going to change, but God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what is she doing so far? Well, she's who she is. Start where you are. She's in the tent where she doesn't want to be maybe, but she's there. You're in where you're supposed to be. Number three, she greets what's coming at her. She greets it. She's not in faith. I mean, excuse me, she's not in fear. She is on purpose in faith without fear. And number four, last thing that she does, 
She uses what she's got on hand. She uses what she's got on hand. God takes the simplest things in our lives, and when he's in them, everything changes. That manger in Bethlehem that they laid the Son of God, when they laid that baby in that manger, that manger became holy because God was in it. Moses had a simple stick, and yet God said, stretch out your hand, Moses, and that staff parted the Red Sea. David had a slingshot. He was just a kid. And God said, put a stone in there. And David slung that slingshot, and that stone took out Goliath, that giant. See, God doesn't ask us to use what we don't have. God tells us to use what's in our hand. So Yael, the story goes, she took, he was sleeping now. He's exhausted. I already read it to you. <laughs> this this is where this is not a lesson on domestic violence. But there he is sleeping, and I think about it, and I think, oh, my gosh, was she scared? This was General Cesar with 900 chariots of iron. This is a woman who's married to an unbeliever. She's just Yael, the mountain goat. And here he is. She's fed him. She's covered him. He is sound asleep and passed out. And here she comes. I mean, my heart would have been pounding. I can't even imagine this. But she's using what she's got on hand. Because God said to Deborah, tell Barak that there's not going to be any glory in this for him because I'm going to deliver this evil general, this terrorist, not by his hand, but by the hand of a woman. You see, when God calls you to do something, there's not a devil in hell or one put on this earth that can stop what God wants to do in your life. If you'll be who you are, stay where he's put you, Greet what's coming at you and use what you got on hand. Because God was in Yael. Now she crept up to him. He's sleeping. And can I have the picture up there? There she is, this little girl. She takes a pentag and she takes it to his thing. And she, man, she knows how to put tents on. She's taking them up and she's pulling them down. She's a woman of tents. She takes her mantle, or what is this called? She takes her hammer. She takes her tent peg, which probably wasn't this big, but you get the idea. There's the picture. He's passed out. She goes up to him. There he is. I mean, my heart would be, would you, my heart, ha I think about these things. Through the fear, she did what she knew she had to do. Listen, faith isn't because you're not afraid. Faith is doing it in spite of being afraid, in spite of everything coming against you, when everything looks impossible. If you know this is what God's called you to do, then you use what you got in hand, and she took that thing, and she nailed it right through his skull. She killed him. She destroyed him. The terrorist, the general. The one that had killed so many, that had slaughtered children and women and husbands in Israel. She used what she had. God is not limited by our resources. He's only, he's only limited by the prison that we live in called fear. He wants us free. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable so that I can be rebuked, I can be corrected, I can be trained. Why? So I can grow up and not be afraid and intimidated. Not look at what I'm not. Not live by what's wrong with me, but live free by what's right with God and what's possible with God. So here's this little woman. 
She takes what she knows. She takes what she does, which is to put up tents. She takes out an enemy. What is God saying? What you have immersed yourself in is what you will reach for when the enemy comes. Because enemies are coming, like it or not. They're coming. What do, what's in us? What's in our hands? Because what's in your heart is what your hand will be skilled at. I can put the word of God in my heart and I can speak the promises of God and the sword of the Spirit in my hand when the enemy comes at me, when fear wants to overrule me, when politics and economics want to look like it's crushing me, I can cower and be intimidated. Or I can say, oh, no, nah, not going to go there. I'm going to put what's in my heart in my hand, which is the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and the belt of truth. I'm going to take out the enemy. I'm going to pray. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to decree and declare the word of God. And whatever's coming against my family, whatever's coming against me, I'm going to destroy in the name of Jesus because his name is above every single name. Now, I know I took a natural circumstance, and a story that a lot of people probably have never read. And I brought it to tonight on Sunday night, and I said, let's learn from this girl, because everything's relevant to God in the Word of God. And it's all applicable to where we live today. God needed to take out an enemy. He used a little girl in a tent. She started where she was. She wasn't Deborah. She was Yael, the mountain goat girl. She stayed where she was supposed to be. It wasn't glamorous. It's not where anybody would really want to be married to a man that didn't even love God. But God doesn't ask us to be what we're not. He asks us to be who we are and to stay where he's put us until he gives us liberty and open doors to leave that situation. She greeted what came at her. She wasn't afraid. She wasn't afraid of Sesera. She said, come on in. God doesn't want you afraid of COVID-19. He doesn't want you afraid of economic collapse. He doesn't want you afraid of anything on this planet because you belong to him. And if God is for us, what can be against us? She greeted, she greeted that enemy. She wasn't afraid of that enemy. She was on purpose, full of faith, without fear. And the last thing, she used what she had in her life and she took out the enemy. What's in your hand? What's in your heart and what's in your life? Because God wants you to be victorious through the season. He wants to use you to deliver, to see your family set free. He wants you coming out of this better than when you went in because that's the plan of God. Because, beloved, if God be for us, who can be against us? Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.